Welcome to the Love is Coming podcast, the must-listen show for single women struggling to attain or sustain a romantic relationship. I'm your host, Persia Lawson, author, speaker, and according to the Times Magazine, one of the UK's most successful love coaches. Before that, I was a serial cheat and obsessive love addict, but I'm now a bride-to-be and in the best relationship of my life. So, If you're trying to do the work on your love life, you are definitely in the right place. But here on the Love Is Coming podcast, we serve your education with a side of entertainment. Expect serious stuff talked about not so seriously, solo Agnian episodes with yours truly, and guest episodes showcasing some of the best in the biz in ways you've never seen them before. So, got a dating dilemma? Swiping right but haven't yet found Mr. Right? then let's get raw, real, and a little bit inappropriate because love is coming for you, baby, in more ways than one. Hello, welcome, welcome. I am so excited because today we have one of my dear friends, Sean Patrick, on the podcast. Now, this is the first podcast of 2021. We're not actually filming it, um, recording it in um, in January. We're recording it in October. I'm just going to be really straight up with you. Um, but I am so excited because of the topic today, how to rewrite your love story for 2021. Now, the reason that we're doing this topic, and I've got wonderful Sean on board, is that Sean is an author. He's a psychologist. He's an entrepreneur. He is an award. Uh, he he is also the. This is the most important thing. He is the founder of That Guy's House Publishing, which was founded after his award-winning debut novel, That Guy Who Loves the Universe, became a bestseller in 2016. And he has been accredited by the British Psychological Society for his research in spiritual and emotional intelligence, which is why I know. He is going to have some really juicy things to say when it comes to discussing dating and romance. So, Sean. Hi. I'm fucking glad you're here. How are you, my love? Oh, my gosh. I am good. Always happy to be speaking with you. I find it so awesome that we are. Um, we've known each other for so long now. Here I am on your podcast, like, some 10 years later. Um, I'm just, yeah, we've been on a hell of a journey together. I'm glad to be doing this. We have. And, and again, that's a beautiful sort of segue into the topic today. It's about, you know, I think one thing that we have always ta- talked about in our friendship um, is about, you know, obviously a lot about law of attraction and creating your own reality, creating the life you want to live. Like when we met each other, like we were little newbies in the start of our sort of self-development journeys. And here we are, Years, years, years later, you've got an amazing publishing company. Uh, We've both written books, like all of these dreams that we had when we first met, like they've come true. Um, And so before we dive in to um, into this topic, I'm just interested on your thoughts about this, uh, you know, this idea of writing your own story, especially in relation to the last year that we've all been living. What are your thoughts on this? Well, you know, there's two ways to write your story. And I know we're going to go into this. There is retrospectively, which is the same, which is the way we know most often. You journal, you memoir, you write about what's happened. But also there's there's prospectively where, where you write about what's to come and you really get to set your tone. As a publisher, I work with so many people who are, um, writing their story retrospectively in the context of sometimes as a pure memoir, it's very much, this is what has happened to me. Um, 
especially because I'm in the self-help spiritual field. It's often, this is what's happened to me. And therefore this is the wisdom I have accrued during that. And then it can go into, this is what's happened to me. This is the wisdom I've accrued. And this is now what you can do to, to have the same lessons, so to speak. However, um, to actually flip it on its head and write a story in advance, especially in times like this, um, we're recording this in October. I'm in Liverpool. We're on lockdown again. Um, it's almost, it's not even like a nice idea thing to do. It's like a, it's a means of self-preservation to actually put down on paper. This is how things are going to unfold for me from now on. It's powerful either way. I've experienced and seen it so many times people who write their story and it's the most powerful thing they can do to flip it on its head and write your story in advance. Well, that's a whole, that's a whole next level of um, using your, your own wisdom as the key. Absolutely. And that's what we're going to get stuck into today. And I can say just before we really dive in, uh, the reason I have the relationship and the life that I have today is because I decided what the story was that I wanted to be telling. Instead of feeling like at the mercy of just like what the conditions that I found myself in, um, I was like, I'm going to tell the story I want to tell. Like, I, like I get one life in this, you know, earth suit as it were. And, and I want to, it to be a fucking adventure. And I want to feel like it's my own creation and my choice. And so many people, when they come to work with me, they, um, they don't realize that. They think that their love story, their romantic journey is just like they've just been dealt a really bad hand. That's how I used to feel. Yeah. Um, and yeah. and actually I realized like, no, you've chosen this. And that's that's quite a hard thing. In fact, before we dive more into that, I'm going to get you started with the first little, this is like, so the, these podcast guest episodes are kind of quite episodic. They're, mm-hmm. um, I like, like kind of late night chat show feel. So I'm going to just throw in some random little things. And the first thing we've got is called, this is a segment, Sean, you're going to love this. Oh, it's called I'm excited, Six, yeah. You love a segment. 60 second summary, 60 second summary. So this is your love story from birth till now. Now you can interpret that as you will. It can be your love story like romantically it can be your love story with yourself I don't care what it is oh shit I need to get a timer up for this that would help wouldn't it let me get a little timer up I don't want you to have too long to think about it but we're starting right now well, hold up, no, I, don't what, I don't know what you want me to do oh <laughs> okay Six, you get a minute to tell your love story from birth till now and you can interpret that however you want does that make oh, sense okay yes got it Okay, yeah. right. Are you ready? Steady? Go. I'll give you a warning at 30 seconds. Go. Okay, so my love story from birth to now. I was born very premature, so I needed to be taken care of every hour on the hour for a lot of my life. So I was very loved, but I also was very unself-sufficient. Um, mm. Moving through, I definitely was always looking for love externally, outside places. Love and approval. I think more so approval. Um, mm. yeah. And that was through so many things. Thinking about my romantic life, my first, um, my first boyfriend, um, you know, really hurt me. I developed this 
Um, it was like this victimhood in relationships where I was the lesser to their greater. And I genuinely do feel that one day in my mid to late 20s, I took a quantum leap where I decided that's not the story I'm telling anymore. And everything, everything changed. I became this, you know, more self-confident person with lots of love around me, romantically talking about in this sense. Um, it became very easy and joyful to me. <laughs> you got a lot in there. You got a lot in there, babe. I love that. Oh, I love that. And no okay. one ever. Yeah, good. Yeah, that's good. And no I one ever is able to grasp that. It's yeah. hard. It is hard, but I do definitely feel like um, it's it's so funny because like I don't really I I don't really talk about relationships that much, or it's not one of my areas of teaching, so to speak. Um, I, well, it's bizarre to say that because I'm a publisher and everything's about relationship. Romantic relationships explicitly is not something that I necessarily talk or teach about. However, I definitely do know in my own life, which I got to share from that story, it was definitely like a quantum leap from being this insecure, needy mess to actually being quite self-assured. Um, in relationships, it was a went to sleep one night, woke up the next day, different situation. Mm. Okay, because let, let's start with that quantum leap, because I know, you know, I always wanted this podcast to be sort of the gateway drug into talking about deeper things. And so um, some people watching probably won't know what quantum, I mean, I only really understood what quantum meant recently. But can you unpack that a little bit? Because it is so relevant to what we're talking about with rewriting your love story this year in the way that you want to tell it. What is a quantum leap? So a quantum leap is like a huge, all of a sudden progression. Um, mm -hmm. It's almost like a tipping point that then propels you. So if I think about it, it was as if a lot of the self-help, self-development work I was doing almost accrued and one night cashed in, if that makes sense. I was, yes. before I was needy, I was, I was doing the meditation, I was traveling, I was reading the books, I was attending, like I was really investing in my own personal improvement. For a couple of years, it could have seemed like, especially romantically, the payoff wasn't coming, but all of a sudden, yes. um, don't even know, all of a sudden the, the chips cashed in. So that's what, when, when I say a quantum leap, it's like everything has accumulated and then huge all of a sudden you take a, a big leap forward. I think that's really important oh, for, yeah. yeah, for everyone who is thinking about this in their relationships. If you are doing the work on yourself, you are investing in a different mindset and you may not be feeling as if you're seeing the fruits of that labor, um, you know, nothing goes unnoticed by the universe. So it's actually just knowing that it might not be a, a visible progression for you it could be that one night you go to sleep and the next day you wake up and and everything's changed and that's definitely changed. that's been my experience with relationships that's been my experience with money that's been my experience with business i don't tend to do slow and steady i tend to accumulate and cash in quantum leaps I absolutely feel the same way. It's like nothing, doing all the work, doing all the work, nothing's happening, nothing's happening, nothing's happening. That To the point where I'm like, I'm so bored of like feeling like I'm not where I want to be and the yeah. struggle that I just, oh, I don't give a fuck anymore. I'm just going to enjoy where I am. And guess what? The minute that, I mean, that's what happened when I met Joe. It was a quantum leap because I, I was at the same festival that I'd been the year before and I'd been looking around what I call catting for cock 
desperately like, <laughs> is, is that guy looking at me? Like, I really want to get with someone, you know, all of that shit. That was just such a, um, it's like, you know, I felt like, a, I mean, I was a total love junkie. And the following year, you know, that year I did so much deep work on myself and got to the point where I was like, I am just done with trying to make something happen romantically yes. and beating myself up because it's not here yet and comparing myself to everyone else. I'm just fucking sick of it. And I'm just going to enjoy where I am and who I'm with at this festival. Because I used to, even, like, even at the festival, like, it was the same pattern of like, oh, you know, is something better happening over there at that? You know, am I missing a good musician? Uh, am I like, is this the right drink? Are these the right people to be hanging out with? You know, so I was doing it on a micro level, but also on a macro level. And I, at the festival, that's how I spent 2014 at the festival, like running around, like feeling like nothing was quite right. And then in 2015, I was like, I'm just going to enjoy where I am and who I'm with. And in yeah. the second, yeah. in the second that I got that, be where you are, and fucking like celebrate it and meet it with the biggest smile and embrace it instead of wishing it was different. In the second I got that lesson, I felt something in my stomach say, turn around. And I turned mm. around and there was Joe. And I believe that the universe gave me that as a teaching point for the future. Because I mean, because you can't fake that, can you? You can't fake like that genuine, like, oh, I'm done try. I'm done with the struggle. It happens well, when it happens, don't you? Absolutely. And that really is like the two-part formula, so to speak, of this. Like we said when we started, you know, you can tell your story prospectively and you can, um, you know, you can, you can have affirmations, you can affirm what's going to happen. That is like you're programming it into what is possible. But the activation key is to say, like, is to genuinely then let it go. Like, and, and, and that is the, that is, I guess, the ultimate struggle, um, for lack of a better word, of being a conscious creator is you have to, you have to go between the focused, articulated specifics and then transition to a place of genuinely, you know, say la vie about it all and it's the, it's the toughest it's the toughest thing but if you do want to get into that realm of you know conscious creation and i think we're so often just taught the affirm it make it happen um scenario um yeah, yeah. but you really have to no longer give a fuck like genuinely no longer. Yes. And, and that was death if i think back to my so i've been in a relationship now for five years um i met him me? Yeah, so it was 2015. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know we got at the same time. Yeah, but genuinely, um, <laughs> and this was so funny, this has become a running joke between my friends. For like so long, it was, oh, it's just some guy I'm seeing. Like, I genuinely was looking for and did not want that long term relationship at that point. And I was like, just some guy I'm seeing. Yeah, like, it was the most. And it was the most non-pressure situation. But I wasn't faking that. It was genuinely, this may or may not be something great. And so what? Um, you can that become part, very... Do you know what? I had a... Go on. Go on. I was going to say... <laughs> I was can... just going to say it's exactly how it was for, for Joe and I. Like, I, I generally said to my friends, and they can quote me on this, oh yeah that guy will never be my boyfriend because it was just so easy that I just couldn't get my head around it it was just so easy 
that I just thought, oh, I met him at a festival, like he's going to Bali, I'm probably never going to see him again. And, and, and I was almost in denial because it was getting more like, he was so available and so into me and so just showed up, showed up, showed up. And this is what I see a lot with women who I coach is they, they do all that deep work on themselves. And then when the guy does show up, it's like, you don't even, my soul recognized him straight away in the festival. It was literally like, yeah, but it took my brain quite a long time to catch up. And now, so it was this weird paradigm of like, the soul was like a hundred percent and it was the most ridiculous love story. And yet at the same time as that, I was like, so like, it was no big deal. And that's how I always see it. When, when I see couples who go the distance, that's always the same thing. I love, do you know what? That's going to become my new affirmation. No big deal. No big deal. Yeah. Um, and do you know what, Persia? I just had flashbacks. Oh, God, I even hate to remember this. There was a time, I think it was like 2012, 2013, we met in Soho House. I, you were with someone who I'm pretty sure you said to me at the time it was the person you were going to marry. Um, (laughs) And I I was in this awful relationship situation that had literally felt like it was leaving me for dead. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And there's no story behind that other than I just literally remembered that me and you being, um, having these conversations seven years ago. Um, little baby little did we know absolutely and and by the last thing I would ascribe to that interaction was us not giving a fuck like we we gave so much we cared so much um and literally yeah it was um yeah it was rough so yeah just a little anecdote yeah and you know what so the takeaway from that is there's no getting around it. You have to do all the work. And part of the work is going through the big old years of stressing and obsessing and comparing and all of that. Like, because I've tried so hard to not do that with over something I really want to attract into my life, whether that's been a relationship, um, a bit of something to do with work, money, anything. But you have to do all of the deep inner work. And then you just get to a point where it's like it happens to you. Well, you don't oh, give a fuck. You can't make yourself. Absolutely. And that is, that is, I guess, the cornerstone of my philosophy and my teaching. Life happens to you. Um, yeah, life happens to you and you want to be in a space where the good shit's happening. But to be in that space of being a manifester or being a law of attraction expert where you're trying to dictate every unfolding i mean that's fucking exhausting you become neurotic whereas actually yeah yeah, if you just get to a point where you're like you want to know what i'm good i'm pretty decent my life's good my life's pretty decent um and let the you know let the good times roll no big deal um then they do but i mean there's been times in my life i know we all we're all at this point now we've manifested something we've done the visualization we did the affirmation something showed up in our lives and we felt no different it just became something else to apply that old version of ourselves to here's underwhelming else. you know what every time you manifest something it's always underwhelming oh, <laughs> when you so actually think about it yeah because genuinely like and god this is the big thing this is the big thing for me I wanting to manifest something because I think, well, the person who's experiencing that is so much more confident, so much more carefree, so much more cool. Um, but actually, that's the whole juxtaposition is 
that, gosh, I'm getting a bit existential here, but it's my favorite thing. Mm -hmm. The only way that version of me is able to experience that is by being all them things now. And genuine, you can only enjoy something if you can be cool around it. Like that's going back to our relationships. I'm like, I want to have this great relationship. Um, But unless you're cool and unless you're cool around it, it becomes actually a really unpleasurable thing. And I've had that where I've wanted relationships so much. I get it. And I just go into beyond self-torture, masochism, of just being so ingrained in this thing going right. Um, I mean, you know you're, you know you're in trouble when you're counting like, anniversaries and weeks and months. For, like, unless the time is just ticking over without you noticing you're you're in too, you're you're in too much control there. Yeah, that's how I can always tell. Like a good couple is like how relaxed are they around each other? Yeah, like absolutely. how how themselves are they? And like from the first point of meeting someone, and that's all you have to ask yourself when you meet someone. Like from the get go, how relaxed are you? That was the issue with me and Joe, and not the. I mean, it was a good thing ultimately, but I. That's why I was so confused because I was like, it, like I'd never just been able to relax. Like with a guy or, or with the guys that I had relaxed around that I felt I could, I always ended up cheating on or, or treating like shit. Um, yeah. and it was always the guy who I had to like put on the performance because it was addictive and I was an actress and I fucking love the performance, but yes. it was exhausting. If you're putting on a performance, he ain't the one. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And, and also, this is actually a really important point to make. Don't discount. God, I'm trying to think. So, I'm, I'm 32, at the point of recording this interview, I'm 32. Um, and I think back to like my mid-early 20s, in these relationships that were not joyful. However, that's all part of my journey, and I'm so thankful I didn't find the one then. And actually, I just wish, and this is once again, you're telling your story in advance, I wish I could have enjoyed them relationships more knowing they were temporary things. Like, yeah, it's, yeah, like, just to know actually I'm going through my 20s, I'm unlikely to meet the person that I want to spend the rest of my life with, thank God. Um, yeah. And it's just actually to enjoy that whole part of it. And that is people, you know, when you see people who just enjoy dating, that's when that's when you know you're a true that there's a true relationship winner in the midst there um yeah yeah and I actually think I mean I'm and I blame we grew up during the era of like sex in the city so I blame all our neuroses on on that but it was that whole yes but it was that whole idea of the most important thing of your life was a relationship and as soon as you get in one you analyze it and look at it from every which angle and do whatever you can yeah and actually I think the opposite is true like if sex in the city were going to be a healthy show it would have been boring because it's actually a bit like oh meh um that's what I'm saying allow your whilst you're dating and if you are bothered and concerned and insecure let that be an interesting story but tell your story in advance there's a version of you which genuinely couldn't care about this and that you will look back on um, fond of this time, which is currently causing you so much pain, but like you genuinely will look back fond of your dating days that were yeah. hard. Oh, do you know what, Sean? 
That is so beautiful. It reminds me of when I think back to the time when I, you know, I talk about in depth in the inner fix where I had my heart broken. There's such a fondness for it, for that mm. version of me and where I was. It was the most, yes. it was harrowingly painful, but it was the most beautiful, like, experience at the same time. And, you know, the reason we love a book, we love a story, there has to be the plot twist, there there has to be the drama, there has to be the pain. And so if you're in that place now listening, and I know a lot of you will be because of what the fucking fuck is going on in the world at the moment. And, you know, I get messages every day from women struggling in their love life. Know that, like, this is not the end of the story. Like, you need this part to make the story interesting, but there is a plot twist coming. If you choose to believe that and be like, I'm just, this is just, you know, I'm just in like chapter three and this is a book with like 30 chapters or whatever, you know? Absolutely. And you are right. Like looking back at that time that you were heartbroken or you were like, I look back to like guys that I was so upset about. Um, Like literally, like sometimes a breakup feels like you've been left for dead. We all know that. Like it can be the most horrific fucking feeling. Um, But you're right. I look back on that and think, wow, like, I just have so much love for that version of myself who hadn't arrived. And do you want to know what I can give? God, I've been using this example so much recently. Once, once you know how to swim, you can never go back to learning how to swim. But to put that in a different way, um, you can never go back to the joy of learning how to swim. And it's just the same with anything. If you're learning a language, once you know it, you can't go back to learning. Um, so yeah, like there are only if you're if you're currently if you're currently learning relationships like anything, you arrive at um, a place of learned. I don't, my, my English isn't being correct here. Um, so just know if you're in a relationship and you're working on yourself, going back to what I first said, that is adding up to a quantum leap into a different version where you will look back fondly on where you are. Let me tell you one of my favorite quotes, and I don't know who said it. I saw it on a postcard when I was 18, um, but I've never forgotten it. I've never, never been able to find who said it either. But um, it said, I want to be who I was when I wanted to be who I am. Whoa! And I just oh, love I've wow. never forgotten that quote. It was on It was on like a flyer at some student bar. But I was like, Say wow. It again. I want to be who I was when I wanted to be who I am. Fucking hell, that's quite bamboozling. Yeah, it's like saying, I want to be who I was when I was wanting to be who I am now. So like thinking back to who you are now and thinking back to the person that once wanted, (laughs) this is so funny, (laughs) thinking back to the person that once wanted to be who you are now, but you actually look back and think, oh my God, there was something really awesome about that time too. So, um, yeah, try and digest that. I want to be who I was when I wanted to be who I am now. I love that. I've just put on just, oh, I've just put on earphones because it's going a bit weird, but I'm taking them out because that didn't work. Um, hopefully this recording is going to record okay. Um, yeah. Exactly. And we'll, either way, we'll have had a lovely chat, but let's keep going. Right. Sean, slightly, let's, let's move into a slightly different track. Biggest love lesson. First one that comes off the top of your head. Oh, um... I want to say don't be insecure that's that's so mundane but um yeah um ditch insecurity in any way you can how (sighs) 
Give me a second with this one, please. Persia. Biggest love lesson is to ditch insecurity any way you can. Be completely invested in your own life. Like, allow that relationship to be one part of a bigger picture. And wherever you see yourself, allowing it to become a bigger slice of the pie chart than it is. Um, yeah, you're, 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 you, I would have become more insecure. So um, ditch, insecurity at, ditch insecurity at the door by having a fully realized life alongside your relationship. Yeah, so that's a big thing of what I teach is like cultivate an amazing life for yourself. Like don't make relationships the be all and end all, like which means put energy and attention into other fucking things. Like, also, yes, I'm yeah. all about doing deep work on your love life, but like don't make that, like don't make that everything. Absolutely. And even things like um, think about, oh, wait, maybe, if, you know, if you if you work, think about, well, maybe I'll look for a job abroad. That doesn't lend itself to a love life. So, in fact, that's really good for them, for the letting it go. If you work for yourself, think, oh, maybe I'll spend six months of the year out in Bali this year. Um, like, don't. Um, <laughs> this is so funny. Actively create a life which might not actually fit in a relationship that's a sure way of letting the energy me and my boyfriend still joke about this i was moving to japan i was going to go to japan for a year and do something and he's still like remember you're going to go to japan and i was like hey i still might go to japan um mm-hmm. i think yeah um i think yeah just yeah just um in in you know in tune to what we were saying about you genuinely you can't fake it you genuinely have to get to that place where you release it um, think about them things which um, are, and get excited about it I'm sure it's very exciting to think about well maybe I'll apply for a job in Paris for a year I'm sure that's exciting um, so yeah that's what I got to say about that I love that I love that so it's uh, I always remember you saying you know take your take your thoughts less seriously. Like, and I just think this is it. It's like, I I believe like every, every real truth is there's always a contradiction because I teach on the one hand, take your love life seriously. As in, if you want that amazing relationship, you better realize that like getting a six pack, it's going to fucking take some effort and work. And it, and it's a, it's an ongoing job. And at the same time as doing that work, you need to be like we've talked about so much, like cool around it and like let it go and be like, in the, what, another way of saying this is invest in the process, surrender the outcome. Absolutely. Invest in the process, surrender the outcome. And what I'm getting from this is because this is the, this is probably in my business life for sure or my career. This is definitely the lesson. Yeah, you got to take it seriously. Yeah, you got to show up to that meeting. Yeah, you got to do whatever, um, fill in the blank but you'll only enjoy it if you're cool around it. So you can have the thing, you can have the thing, but um, unless you're cool around it, it's, it's really unenjoyable. If you're constantly feeling as if you're walking on eggshells or this is the thing that completes you or this has to go right, um, it's, it's thoroughly unenjoyable. And I'm thinking about the um, book by Kyle Cease and it's called, I Hope I Screw This Up. And I always remember that when I'm leaning into something which is really scary to me. I say, you know, I hope I fuck this up. I hope that I'm not good at this. It's the only way I'll enjoy it. Like, if I think about so many things that could come in my life, 
if I'm so married and attached to them being right or perfect or doing it well, um, I'm not going to enjoy it. I'm thinking back, we're both actors in a previous life. Um, yeah. The best acting lesson I ever got was I released the need to be good at this. I was like, I released oh, the need. To be, yeah. And that's the only way I could ever be good as an actor was by releasing the need to be good at it. And think about a kid who's playing Superman or whatever it is. They're not, they're not trying to be good at it. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's the thing. It's like, yeah, pick what you want, write your story prospectively, even be specific, um, but release the need for it to be everything and for you to be everything to it. Um, do you know what that reminds me of the best acting advice I ever got that is so related to this? Do the work and then leave it in the wings. Yes. Do the work and then leave it in the wings. So you do all the prep. You have to do the prep. You have to do all the healing. You have to do your affirmation. You, you know, you do all that. But then that moment where you go on the date, you 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 are and like it takes practice because that's why you have rehearsals. So yes. you know, when I think about Joe, like by the time I met Joe, I didn't give a fuck anymore. And I was just able to show up as me. But that's because I'd gone on all these other dates and had all these other relationships where that those were the rehearsals. And I didn't know that at the time because when you're in, the whole point of acting is like when you're in the rehearsal, you still have to play it out as if it's for real. And, yes. you know, a good director will always say that. It's like, no, you're not, don't just fucking mark it. Give me the real deal because it means that when it is opening night you're going to be so much better because you played it out to the full another way of what we're saying here what we're talking about here is be fucking present savor every moment like right now i'm on a podcast recording with sean we don't speak nearly as much as i wish we did but that's you know that's modern life for you but i'm like you know, and I'm like, oh shit, we've had some tech issues. What if this doesn't record? And I'm like, fuck it. We've had a great conversation and and it wasn't meant to and give a shit. We'll have another conversation. It's hardly like this is a chore. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like before I would be so stressed about that. I'd be like, oh God, Sean, the tech isn't, you know, and I, and I kind of went to go into that just because it's a habit. And then I just thought, oh fucking just play it out, do it. And it will be what it will be and stop stressing about it. And if we do another one, it'll be even better than this. You know, whatever, Absolutely. whatever, what's meant to be, to be. And that's, you've just, you've just said it all there because actually it's just leaning in, like I said, or at least need to be good at this. You know, there are do-overs. There are, you know, there's another chance and another chance and another chance. It's not a one-time thing. So actually, I said, going on a date, it's like, it will go how it goes and there'll be another one. Do you know what I mean? There'll be another one. And when it's right, you can't fuck it up. Like, really, like... Like, that's the thing. It's like, oh, oh, you know, I get a lot of women come to me. Oh, I went on this date and I fucked up and I didn't do that thing that you coached me around. I'm like, well, it's okay. Because if this guy is meant to be the person that you're spent, meant to spend the rest of the life with, like, do you think that I have fucking shown up in my relationship with Joe, like fucking the love coach that I would like, as in like, if, if you guys saw some of the way I've showed up in my relationship, I'd be bloody mortified because I am not perfect, but I can yeah. own that and be like, I'm not meant to be I'm a human being and I do the best and we work it out and it's all good. Like, at the uh, begin- and now I'm so much more relaxed in it. But at the beginning, you know, the first few years with me and Joe, there was some real, like, because I took it, I was so stressed and it was all very serious. And now I'm like, ah, you know, it's all good. We just take it day by day. And yeah, it's not that's what makes somebody interesting. You know, flaws are so interesting. I don't think you should be a martyr for your dysfunction or 
I don't, I don't think any of that. However, just know you're, you're showing up at your more interesting when things aren't going right. I really, I really think that. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm there. So we've literally like had gone into such deep discussion. I've realized we're like not even a fucking like a third of the way through all the segments. So what we're going to do now, Sean, is we're going to like, we're going to speed through them rapidly. Um, okay, the first cool. thing is, okay, dating disaster. We're going to take it a bit lighter now. So um, tell me your, your, the first dating disaster that comes to mind. First dating disaster. Oh my gosh, this is really embarrassing. But I, <laughs> I once went on a date with a guy. It was, it was on a Tuesday. And obviously I could see his socks. And they were Tuesday socks. And I just thought, oh, no way. <laughs> that is so I mean, yeah, that's so silly because I actually don't think I've had many dating disasters I feel like I've actually had some really good dates but I do remember actually because I'm quite a chill person and this guy clearly was not and then I saw him <laughs> socks to the day of the week and I was just like oh no but that's a really mild that's a really mild disaster that's such a nice detail like in a movie or a book of yeah. like two people who are just maybe not right for each other. Oh, who, who knows? Maybe he would have been exactly what you needed. I'm completely no, but from the other point of view, I was definitely not his cup of tea. And it was that awkward goodbye. And we both didn't say the feature again, I'll call you. Because you wanna know what? I was probably a little bit um <laughs> maybe a bit common for his liking. I don't know. But yeah, that was not um yeah, that 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 was a very mild but the one that came to mind. I love it. Right, we're going to move on to Would You Rather, okay? So we all know the game, Would You Rather. And a lot of dating apps these days, they offer prompts to help people break the ice. But some of those prompts are just like a bit bland enough as far as I'm concerned. So we're going to we're gonna spice the game up a bit, Love is Coming podcast style. Okay, so just the first thing that comes to your head with these uh, options, bad boy or good guy? Good guy. On a first date, would you rather run into your ex or theirs? Oh, there's. On a date, would you rather drop a condom or drop a tampon? I guess <laughs> you could tell drop, that these were designed for. Drop a condom. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'd be a, a bit worried if you dropped a tampon. <laughs> yeah, definitely a condom. Okay, here we go. Premature ejaculation, or you can't get it up. Which would you rather? Premature ejaculation. It still happened that way. <laughs> Would you rather fart on a first date? Uh, you actually can't do this. Fart on a first date or queef the first time you uh, you have sex? So I guess fart during sex or on the first date? I guess so, yes. Which one? Oh, I guess I'll have to fart, won't I? Yeah, but I on the first date or during sex? Oh, on the first date. I think I'd rather fart during sex because... You know, you're already all sweaty and sort of bumping. I mean, do you know what I've had so many times when I've... I don't know if you'll get this because I think this might just be a girl thing is where you're having sex and they're on top of you and your boobs are squashed into their chest and it creates a kind of like vacuum and it's basically you make really big farting noises. This happened with me and Joe, I think, oh, one of the first you. times. Well, and it, it was so loud and it's so awkward and you just don't really know what to do and you sort of laugh it off and I think I was like, it, it was it was my boobs. <laughs> that is so funny. I have no idea about this, but I'm glad I'm, I'm, glad I'm educated now. Well, there you go. Boob farts. 
Okay, Please, right. Now we're moving to a segment called Breaking Bad. Okay. So this is a little bit more a little bit more serious. Um, I want to hear about what was your most painful breakup? How did you handle it? And how would you handle it now differently? Um, my most painful breakup was when I was 20 years old. Um, somebody I loved very much and it just it went south. I was cheated on but in a way that was actually, um, I don't know how to put it, like it put me at risk, I'll put it that way. Um, I handled it, do you want to know what? This is a really good conversation. I handled it really poorly based on what I thought my spirituality and self-help practice was. I wanted to go straight to forgiveness. I wanted to be above it all and bigger than it. I wanted to move on from it straight away. It's like as if I wanted to control the whole situation and thinking back to earlier breakups, you know, that whole idea of closing the blinds and being in depression for as long as it took would have got me through that a lot quicker. I tried to be okay with it or tried to make sense of it or tried to find the bigger meaning to it um, straight away because I read The Secret, I'd read Eckhart Tolle and I was living right. And actually, yeah, um, I actually didn't get anywhere. I probably just kept myself with that unresolved pain for years. Whereas, and maybe it would have lasted for years anyway. Um, whereas actually the... <laughs> my my you know default method of sadness this is not great will i even could i even get out of bed this morning um you know the pain passed through whereas trying to be completely okay with it and spiritual about it and find forgiveness actually just put set me on this uh um journey of never actually healing just being constantly convincing myself i was so that's essentially spiritual bypassing and, you know, sweeping it under the carpet. And it's really interesting how you can do that when you're when you're conscious and trying to be spiritual in the way that that's what you're talking about there. Um, and, you know, with the loving approach, by the way, loving approach to heartbreak is there's there's a time to scream and shout. And, and you know, you can do it with dignity and not necessarily at the person, but you've got to get that shit out of you. That's what your best friends are for. That's what having a coach or a therapist or all those things you need. You've got to go through it. The only way out is through. Yeah. Um, uh, Winston Churchill said, you know, if you're going through hell, keep going. Like you have yes. to keep going. You have to keep through it. Um, but also, you know, the way I did that, I did like the opposite of sort of spiritual bypassing. I would just like, okay, so I've been cheated on or this breakups, I've had a breakup and I feel like shit and I cannot bear to feel this. So I'm just going to jump into something else with some, you know, uh, there's a, a guy like I'm going to jump into a new fucking toxic romantic dynamic with him to distract myself. And then that, I just kept doing that. And, yeah. it's, and the irony is it's like, well, that's basically kind of the same thing because in both scenarios, even though one of them, you might think you're being conscious and doing the right thing. You're both denying the human experience of heartbreak heartbreak yeah. is part of life it is not it is it, it's like you know we can be heartbroken because someone's betrayed us romantically we can be heartbroken because someone we love dies there's a lot of things to be heartbroken we should be heartbroken right now the world's a fucking mess but it needs to happen like our hearts need to break for um, I wasn't expecting to go here, but here we go. Uh, if our, if your heart is not breaking for the world, like go and watch that day, new David Attenborough um, yeah. documentary. Fuck me, my heart was breaking. And, and and there's always the silver lining and there's hope because there's that's where we come back to circling back to what we talked about at the beginning. 
you know, quantum leaping, choosing differently. We, we can choose differently, but you have to feel the fucking pain first. You have I, to feel it. What? Absolutely. And if I meet someone who is like, oh, I've never been dumped. I've always been the one that dumped. I've never been cheated on. I do think I'm like, oh my God, how, it's like, you must only know a two dimensional version of yourself. Like, and it goes back to what we said about having all that time and empathy for that version of ourselves who was heartbroken. You just get to know yourself on a much more three-dimensional level. And I do think I'm, if I meet someone of a certain age who's like, I've never been heartbroken, I'm like, God, how little you, you've discovered. And it's the same story if you, know, you meet that people who married their childhood sweetheart. I think you were robbed. Like you were robbed of yeah. so much. And that's the story, you know. Yeah, that's the story we're told. You meet someone when you're young and it just works from day one. And I just think you were robbed. You were robbed of so much by meeting that person so young. I agree. I actually, you know what? Heartbreak is the biggest gift of my life. I I owe everything I have today, my relationship, my life, my lifestyle, my career, everything, to, uh, to having my heart completely broken. Because it broke me apart. It's the biggest shake-up. Like, you know, on one hand, I wouldn't wish it wish it on my worst enemy because it's so fucking awful. But on the other hand, I'm like, no, I would wish it on the person I love the most because I know because because you get to choose what you do with that heartbreak. I had two great heartbreaks in my life. One when I was 16. Um, and I chose to let that break me and t- send me into a downward toxic spiral for for a decade. Uh, and then the other one happened, yeah, a decade later, and that one. I chose to do it differently. I was like, I'm going to feel this and I'm going to let this be the making of me. I'm going to let it be the making of me. I'm going to let it be the creation of me because now I know what I want. Now I know who I am. Now I know what life is really about and I get to choose fucking differently. That's magic. Absolutely. And it's even like, especially in the era we live in, when I meet people who met their partners pre-online dating, once again, I think, hey, you were robbed. Like you were robbed of that journey of experiencing the online dating world because it's so interesting. And there's going to be things that Mm. come out that we will miss because we're already in relationships. But yeah, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it it really is a, I don't know if we said this word on the podcast or if we said this word before we started recording, it's a tapestry of your life. And I Mm. don't deny yourself any of it and don't be, don't be attached to any of it either. Sorry, I'm sorry. I was also just going to say for anyone who has had their heart broken, they know that gorgeous euphoric feeling of one day not being heartbroken anymore. It's like you fucking see him for the first time again. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a quantum leap because you wake up and you're like, oh, and then like, it's like the first month horrific, second month you, it still comes in waves and it's still bad, but you start to see cracks of light. And third month, it's like, like you said, you wake up and you're like, it's like you want to just like dance down the street. Like you're in um, the opening scene of La La Land. (laughs) The first time you're, I just think back to some heartbreaks I've had and all of a sudden I'm, I'm at a party or I'm hanging out with a friend and. I just don't feel the pain anymore. And it's like you're feeling good again for the first time. It's just amazing. And in some ways, it's a whole Phoenix from the Ashes story, but 
there's a quote, another quote I love, and the quote goes, um, why do I keep hitting myself in the head with a hammer? Because it feels so good when I stop. And you get that relief. It's like I've been heartbroken and now I'm okay. It's like you get to feel okay for the first time all over again. And it's amazing. So yeah, don't deny yourself any of it. I want you to, if you're in heartbreak right now, I want you to say, to say this to yourself. Fucking yes, this is amazing. This is the making of me. Not this will be the making of me. This is the making of me. This is going to give me, this is taking me, this is the most important significant step on the diet, on the road to getting everything I have, I've ever wanted in my Absolutely. romantic life. Yeah, and to go with really my favourite, sorry, there's dogs barking somewhere close to me, I guess, because I can hear them. Um, my favourite book, still this day, nothing ever changed, Eat, Pray, Love. And that is a story of... Oh, but that's the story of overcoming heartbreak. Um, yeah. Yes. Um, yes. Um, that's what made it interesting. That's what makes, yeah, you, you'll, you'll, so many nooks and crannies of yourself, you'll never know without heartbreak. And that's why it happens to pretty much everybody. That's why it comes in so many shapes and forms. It's like it's pre-programmed in your DNA to have your heart broken because that's oh, the 100%. Yeah, 100%. And it, this has been part of the human experience forever because, look, Shakespeare was writing about exactly the same things that, you know, we struggle with right now. You know, in, um, I can't remember which sonnet, maybe it's 54. He says, being your slave, what can I do but tend upon the, oh, uh, God, I can't remember the rest of it. Basically, it's talking about obsession, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I used to know all of them off by heart. Not all of them, a lot of them. But, you know, th this stuff has been going on forever. Like, you know, the 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 story of heartbreak is part of, the fabric of human life. It is a good thing. It is, it's magical. Um, we could go on about this, but we're moving, we've got to move on to the next segment. Okay. It's called Word on the Cheat. So okay. uh, have you ever, I think you have actually, because you've already referenced that, but have you ever been cheated on or cheated on someone? Um, I've been cheated on, yeah. And you've never cheated? Um, I've never like physically cheated. I probably, I think back to earlier relationships where I may have, you know, had text flirts beyond what I should have done. If I think back to being in my mid twenties, but I've never physically known. Yeah. What are your thoughts on cheating just in a nutshell? Um, I mean, I'm not cool with it. And I think it happened, it's happened to me a few times. Um, once again, especially thinking back to being younger, if I think back to being in my 20s, it's all part of the game. And mm. no, I don't think because someone cheats, there's some inherent scum. I actually just think it's... <laughs> I think it's just, like I said, it's pre-programmed into what's going to happen to most people. Yeah, I, gotta, I, I don't know where I stand on it because most of my heartbreaks came from being cheated on. I just saw it as the worst thing you can do. The older yeah. I get... I mean, it's the worst feeling to yeah, have it done. it is. But the older I get, the more I think it wasn't as if it was this vendetta against me. It was this whole complexities of humans, emotions, sexual urges, circumstance, how they were feeling. Um it's, it's almost like, <laughs> it's bizarre, it's the most personal thing and it's the most impersonal thing. If you're cheated on... Oh, 100%. You, you it's never about like, the person being cheated on. Yeah, 
you feel as if someone has planned this vendetta against you and has just depleted you to nothing. The older I get, the more I see it was probably just, it was often, it can just be a horny moment with some wrong ingredients involved and had nothing to do with me. Do you know what I mean? That's yeah. all I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's going back to, you know, taking it like less lightly. I, like obviously my, my story is that I was a major cheat and, and now like, I just don't identify with that anymore. It's not to say I haven't, you know, fancied someone or seen a good looking guy and, you know, maybe had slightly moral thoughts as I'm sure Joe has, like, I'm not naive yeah. to it, but I'm like, I just don't need to make it a big thing. Like, I just don't, I'm done with that. And, oh, and it really? took me a long time to get there. I had to do a hell of a lot of work on it, but I'm like, I just don't identify with it anymore. Um, and of course, when you don't identify with it, it just, it sort of ceases to become a part of your experience. Yeah. Um, okay. So next, oh, this is, you'll like this one. This is called Boil That Bunny. So oh, I, <laughs> this, this, this segment um, evolved because I have had, you know, as part of the work I do with clients, they have to like get really honest about all their behaviors throughout their life of how they've shown up romantically. Um, and one of those, you know, big part is obsessive, you know, obsession. Um, and, you know, we just talked about being cheated on. So yeah. remember that film, what, what is the bloody fatal attraction? Yeah. Where Glenn Close and she, there's the boiling bunny on the, on the stove. Have, have you ever had something that you, you know, what, what, what's your most obsessive or like insane sort of romantic thing that you've done in the past where you may, maybe could have been explained a bit as a, a bonnie boiler? Oh, bonnie yeah. boiler. I've 100% been a bunny boiler a million times in my own thinking. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if I've ever um, done something crazy explicit. I really don't think I have. But once again, I'm a bit, I think I'm a bit upset by that. I wish I had let myself do something more, not trying to be the higher ground person. But I genuinely don't think I've ever... Um, externalized my bunny boiler okay well if you could go back in time what do you wish you'd done to how so you have a good anecdote now oh gosh you know i wish i'd wish i oh god this this is so tame i wish i badmouthed somebody i just wish i'd be more like fuck (laughs) people or like you know if someone who's cheated on me comes up to me i say hey fuck you and and i want this is actually one because i went to drama school where everyone knows each other so there was almost like this, um, someone cheated on you. There are also a million other people's friends. I wish I said to some of my friends, don't fucking be their friend. Fuck them. You know what I mean? But it was this whole pursuit of everything being fine. Oh, I understand you're their friend. No, fuck them. <laughs> That's <what I> was. <laughs> yeah, allow yourself to just express again, instead of that, like, sweeping it under the carpet and spiritual bypassing allow yourself to the, have the human experience of being fucking livid but i'm yes. not by the way can i just a little disclaimer i'm not saying right go and key their car i'm not giving anyone permission to do that but like verbalize it to your mate at the very least and say you know i really want to go and key their car i want to yeah. go and i want to take a massive shit in their bed <laughs> like yes. whatever it is you can still verbalize that to your friends like honestly source of a lot of entertainment me and my friends have always been good at doing that um I love it right okay so deal makers and deal breakers so I want to hear what are your three biggest turn-ons and your three biggest turn-offs okay easier to start with turn-offs I fucking hate arrogance um I hate people that try and impress me with money and um 
and arrogance trying to impress me with money. Maybe it's all the same thing, but showboating, I just find it really humiliating. So um, mm. arrogance impressed me with money, which I guess comes under showboating. So let me give another one. Um, we'll have to leave it there for now. If I think of another one, I'll say three biggest turn-ons. I mean, yeah, I guess the opposite. Um, genuine, kind, funny, um, chilled out person who probably yeah is not obsessed with me in any way like that's definitely good um someone who has a career and job they like they have some sense of purpose and mission to their life um oh and this is one um it's so funny i remember saying this to an early boyfriend i really like guys who do their hair (laughs) like i hate yeah like i'm actually like no actually have a hairstyle and cultivate it like i think that's cool (laughs) so there you go. I love it. I asked the three you gave me like 10, but I'll, I'll take that. I like the last one particularly. Oh, shoot. Sorry. Hair. Thanks. Yeah. Don't worry. Okay, right. So we've got a question that's come in that's around this topic, and it's from Cassie. And she says, how do you rewrite your love story if you have had so much shit in the past in your romantic life? Oh, my gosh. Well, firstly, you've got the most material to deal with and you've got more opposites to form. So you're absolutely telling my story. So many heartbreaks, heartaches, you know, cheated on, etc. Um, it just gives you so much more material to um, write the opposite of or write what you want from. Um, and also what have you got to lose when it's already happened? Like if you've already had some horrible dating experiences, you know, you're, you're stronger, you've lifted the weights, like saying, hey, I want all of this great stuff to happen. And hey, like, you know, I'm not soft, I'm not weak. I've been, I've been to the rodeo before and I can handle what happens. So I hope that helps. Mm. Actually, you're in, you're in a much stronger position. Like who would I want to take? Who would I want to take into battle with me? Someone who's never done it before or someone who's came through it. Um, and that's who you're, yeah. you're, you're, who you're taking into the relationship field. Someone that's already withstood um, heartache. So you're in the, you're in great position there. Yeah. And, and listen, take it from two people here who have both been a fucking nightmare in uh, romantic relationships. And today are both, you know, five years plus. Five um, years and... Plus. And, and it's, it's great easy. because it's, it's not a big deal. It's been easy these five years. Yeah. 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 So, okay. Final. Well, we're coming to the we're coming to the landing here. This I'm not sure how you're gonna take this. And I don't know whether to keep it in, but I'm gonna do it anyway. It's called Name That Genital. And the reason Okay. <laughs> the good. reason I want to do this is because I've just had the funniest conversations with people in pubs over like what they call their genitals. So, and also this show is called Love Is Coming. So you know, I I've got a bit of a fel- filthy sense of humour. Um, right, Sean. What I want to know is what do you call your genitals, and what do you what do you call a lady's genitals? So, what do we call a boy's genitals and a lady's oh, genitals? Oh, it's so boring. I think it's penis and vagina for me. It's so boring. Oh no. Um, oh, wow. so boring. Yeah, that I is it. You tell a lot about a person by what they call their. Uh, no, so I'm a boring person. Yeah, it's. <laughs> yes, penis, penis <laughs> and vagina. Trying to think, dick. <laughs> I'm so yeah. 
I definitely don't say anything outside of vagina. <laughs> so I don't, yeah. I do not, yeah, it's, it's always vagina. <laughs> vagina, I really hate that word. I hate the word genital. I hate the word penis. I hate the word vagina. Um, but I would, you know what? If you're listening to this right now, please come and like message me on Instagram and tell me what do you call your genital? I'm fascinated to know. Um, okay, I think we should probably stop talking about genitals. I think that what I want to say to you is we're wrapping up now. Sean, I uh, whether or not this is recorded, I don't even know. I have loved talking to you. Oh, it's given me so much you. inspiration. It's just always such a pleasure. Um, where can people find you? Um, people can find my publishing house, That Guy's House, at thatguyshouse.com or Instagram handle That Guy's House or me personally. It's um, Instagram, it's Sean Patrick. Or you can find me on Facebook through um, That Guy Who Loves the Universe, which is the name of my first book. Well, there you go. Lots of different places. So the final thing before we say goodbye what is your number one piece of advice for the single woman or you know, single man, if he's listening, the single person out there who hasn't yet met their person and they're worried that they won't? Oh, just know that programmed into the universe just based on life, <laughs> just based on the existing, um, you will find and mate with someone for a long time like that is just pre-programmed so just know it's coming um Mm -hmm. and there's not really any other way it can go at some point for some reason under some circumstance you will find yourself in a committed relationship um, and enjoy the time in between but just take off the possibility that it may not happen because look around you. It happens all the fucking time to every fucking person. Mm. Um, it's just mm. really to think it's never going to happen for you is really against the odds. Like they're odds. I don't want. Yeah. I agree. And that's why this show is called love is coming. Cause it really is. You just have to just be like, it's coming. So what do you want to do with your time between now and then? Just fucking enjoy yourself. Make the most of it. That's the biggest advice I would say to single me back in the day. Embrace where you are now because one day you will be really sad that you didn't. Yes. Well, my love, I think that's quite a poignant note to end on. I love you so much. I am so fucking grateful. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, Sean, you're a legend. Oh, as are you. Let's go. Love you. Bye. Bye. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for tuning in for this episode. I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed recording it for you. Now, if you know that you need to do some serious work on your love life in order to attract and sustain your dream relationship, but with everything that's been going on in the world lately because of this bloody virus, you just don't have the funds right now to invest in therapy or love coaching then I created something especially for you. It's called Romantic Reset and it's my four-day mini course designed to reprogram your mindset around dating and relationships. It's worth £862 but is available to buy today for just £37. To find out more, head to getyoursoulmate.com forward slash romantic hyphen reset. The link is also in the show notes for this podcast episode. 
On that note, if you got value from this episode, I would be so grateful if you would like, share, subscribe, and leave me a review to help the podcast rank higher so it can reach other people who want or need the support. So see you next week, my love. I release a new episode every Tuesday. But until then, remember, love is coming for you. So surrender to the festival that is life on planet Earth and trust that what misses you was not meant for you and what's meant for you will not miss you, including your soulmate.